Hi, and welcome back to Love in Quarantine. I'm your host, Carly Shortino. Well, 2020 has been a bit of a nightmare (laughs) for everybody. And I've been thinking recently about how I think it's such a revealing and fascinating moment in a couple when the universe throws a wrench into your life and then you're left to pick up the pieces. Like most people, I've experienced this firsthand many times. Once was back in my mid-20s. I'd been dating this guy for about a year, and at the time I was getting chronic UTIs, like urinary tract infections. But I was doing everything that you're supposed to do, like peeing immediately after sex and wearing cotton underwear and like chugging probiotic and cranberry pills every day, and it just wouldn't stop. And eventually, um, along with my doctor, through process of elimination, we realized that The problem was the fact that my boyfriend, who pretty much never showered, was literally infecting my vagina with his disgusting, scrawny little germ-infested body. Ugh. Like, truly thinking about it now still makes me want to barf. So one day during this period, I wake up really early in the morning with a massively high fever, and I'm dizzy and my lower back's killing me. So I go to the ER, and I ultimately find out that I'd had a UTI that has now spread and is a kidney infection, which is really serious. Like it can cause lasting damage to your kidneys, which are apparently important. (laughs) And so I text my boyfriend from the hospital explaining the situation and saying that they're going to put me on medication, expecting him to come get me. And he was just like, oh yeah, sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm late for my creative writing class. And I was like, dude, are you kidding? Like your dick literally poisoned me. And it just felt so horrible because There's nothing more lonely than being in a relationship when the person doesn't show up for you. Truly, I think that it's worse than going through something difficult alone. So I end up hobbling home, clutching my stomach, and I'll never forget that on the way, I stopped at the deli and got a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel, which was so crazy because at the time I was 25 and psychotic about not eating carbs like a body fascist. And um, I just remember really feeling like I deserved the bagel because I had such a shitty boyfriend. (laughs) And honestly, it worked. Uh, It made me feel really good. Anyway, I ended up getting him back because like six months later, he took, I guess, a really high dose of a psychedelic drug and thought he was dying. And he texted me and I didn't respond. (laughs) So (laughs) I win. Clearly, this was the depressing version. But ideally, in a crisis, you're able to show up for each other and it brings you closer. And so this is just a tiny part of what I'm going to talk about today with my extremely funny guest. Her name is Dee Demarizi, or more commonly known as Dee Nasty. She's a comedian. She sometimes hosts stuff for Vice. And most recently, she's the creator and co-host of the comedy talk show Like Share Demolo, which is extremely funny and it's on Fuse TV. You should watch it. And she and I met a few years ago, actually, when we were both working at Vice and she never failed to make me laugh. And now it's no different. So here goes. So I'm in New York and I'm pretty much by myself for the most part. I live alone in a studio, like a sad, sad woman. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a boyfriend, so you don't live together, right? No, we don't live together. Um, but yeah, I, I have a boyfriend. We've been dating for about seven years now. And I know that you guys, you've broken up and gotten back together quite a few times, right? Or at least once? Yeah, uh, twice. So yeah, we definitely have been on and off, mostly on, uh, but about maybe like three or four years ago, we broke up for maybe six months, got back together. And then we broke up again at the end of 2018, but then got back together like spring of 2019. So about, it's been about a year since we've been steady. <laughs> 
I, okay, so I always wonder what that's like because I've dated people where I broke up and then got back together. Even if it was just a few months we were broken up, I became obsessed with what their life was like in that three months. And if they had any really fun times or who they dated and I could not move on from it, which I mean, says something about my mental health, but I'm always like, (laughs) is it weird? Is that a factor for you at all? Like, what were you doing during that six months? And like, did you have fun without me? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a lot of people's thoughts, especially when they get back together with someone. But the thing about like my relationship, so we've been together for over seven years. I've known him since I was 15. So we even started off as friends. So I think one of the biggest things, especially right before the first breakup, was that our relationship started to feel too familial. And it felt like more of a friendship as opposed to, you know, I didn't didn't feel like uh, that much of a romantic relationship. I just felt kind of at times like I was one of his boys. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest deal breaker for me um, when we first broke up. And then just because we do have a lot of the same friends and he is my best friend, like we get along really well. Conversations always flowing. So it was super hard not to have him around. He's a good looking guy. I'm pretty sure that he was out. I know his friends. I know he was out. I know he was being a dirt, but I didn't (laughs) talk too much about him um, because I was doing me too. So I, I never really asked him too many questions because I didn't want him to pry into my, you know, life. And I think you know, a part of it is I actually did start seeing someone else and it was kind of serious. And then that ended real quick and I kind of bounced back. So, um, I mean, now he knows that, but you know, I didn't want him to know that I was seeing someone seriously because I'm pretty sure he was going around fucking people, but he wasn't taking anybody seriously the way that I took someone seriously. So I think for me, I was just more, even though I was super curious about what the fuck he was doing, I was just, Like, I'm not even going to ask many questions because I don't want it to be, you know, reciprocated. Right. It's like (laughs) finding the balance between giving each other privacy and just lying. basically. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, actually, the other day we have the same like, I don't even know how. I mean, maybe I was snooping, whatever, but I was (laughs) snooping through his phone and I heard a voicemail there and I didn't see the date and it was a chick and the chick was like, hey, just wanted to know, you know, we've been having a good time and I haven't heard from you in the past couple of weeks. Um, so I'm just leaving the ball in your court. Like, what's up? So what? like, oh, this motherfucker cheating. Yeah. But then I looked at the date and it was around the time that me and him got back together. So I guess he was seeing somebody and then he started to ghost her or whatever. And me and him got back together. So, but that gave me the only heart attack. And I listened to that like maybe three weeks ago. So <laughs> I was like, oh shit, fuck. <laughs> Wait, why are you, first of all, why are you going through his phone and listening to his voicemails? And more importantly, why are you saying that out loud, recorded for him to hear Because he, he doesn't listen to any of my shit. But also I'm very, like I said, I'm very vocal. We're very, we have a very transparent relationship. So I don't really remember why I went through his phone. I think I was just high. <laughs> and I was smoking weed. I was in his house and his phone was there. And I just went through it. I don't know. But he's fine. He'll be all right. Um, I've promised myself that I'll never go through anyone I'm dating's phone ever again because the one time I did, it was I mean, well, I'm sure I did it more than once, but the one time that I really <laughs> did, actually it's so funny. It's kind of an analogous story, but ended up being the worst moment of my fucking life. So I was dating oh, shit. someone and then we broke up. Well, we were like trying to be open and then it wasn't really working. So then we broke up for a handful of months and then we got back together and like my partner was sleeping 
And uh, I took their phone because <laughs> I was like, I know that um, she was sleeping with someone else when we were broken mm-hmm. up. So like, who is it? And then went through her like deep into her WhatsApps and I found a conversation that she was having with a guy friend where she was mm-hmm. comparing what it was like to have sex with me with this other person. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then I... It was kind of like I won the comparison battle, which was like a positive. Okay. I was going to say who won, who won. (laughs) But it was still not good. There was some not good things. I was so fucking angry. But then again, it's like you can't really be mad if if that's happening when you're broken up and you're sneaking through someone's phone. So it's kind of like anything you find that pisses you off, it's like your own fault. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't go looking for something because a lot of the time you will find something. You shouldn't. But I don't know. I did. Um, I got scared. I thought it was something recent, but I don't know, girl. (laughs) We're curious sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But so now, okay, so now in quarantine, how how is it going for you guys? So for us, it's been kind of... It started like Rocky, right? So he, I work as a host and a comedian, so I do a lot of my work from home. So this is not too different from what I've, I've already been doing, but he's an EMT, he's a paramedic. So as soon as this happened, you know, the first couple of weeks, everybody was shitting bricks. Everyone was scared. You know, we weren't sure what this disease was. And in his line of work, he's a first responder. All he was seeing were people that were COVID positive. He said it, it almost felt like, all of the other like broken ankles or whatever accidents that he would come in, you know, contact with in his job, that didn't even exist anymore. Everything was just COVID, COVID, COVID. So for the first two weeks of the pandemic, you know, here in, in the U.S., I didn't see him just because I was afraid of it. A lot of people were saying that it was kind of like a pneumonia-like illness. I have asthma and a lot of like nasal issues. So I was just like, you know, let's just like stay away from each other while you figure that out and then like a week later he actually contracted COVID so he got super sick not like to the point that you know it was super super serious but he had the fever he lost his sense of smell and taste and just like all of the other stuff the cough and just the illness and the weakness so I didn't see him at that point for about another month so I think like during that first those first six weeks just because we weren't spending as much time as we do like even though we have our own places, he's here a lot and I'm over there a lot. But those first six weeks, I barely saw him. I only saw him once. So I kind of got in my head. I'm a little bit, I can be irrational at times. He's definitely the one that's much more rational than I am. So I was getting upset. I'm like, you know, if there's ever a time that you need your partners during a worldwide pandemic, I'm alone, I'm scared, I'm bored, whatever. But, you know, I was getting mad at a guy who literally had the illness. Um <laughs> So I know I'm crazy, but I was just, I don't know. I was just getting super rational. And I was just like, I don't want to be alone during this. I would like to hang out with you, et cetera. <laughs> um, but, you know, we eventually got better. And then we started hanging out again, like maybe, I think it, it was almost two two months that we weren't even seeing each other during this whole thing. Oh. Or I would say six weeks at least. Yeah, six to seven weeks. That's hard. You're like, who do you think you are getting sick? I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bored. Yo, I know I felt like such a bitch afterwards. But yeah, that's pretty much what it was. I know it's kind of, it's almost too basic where it's like someone gets really sick and you can't see them. And now do you appreciate that person more now? But is that cliche true? Like, did did that affect your relationship at all for the better or for the worse or, or anyway? Well, yes and no, because 
I I don't know why, but I didn't I wasn't afraid of him dying, even though there have been so many deaths affiliated with this illness. He's super, super, super healthy and he didn't have to go to the hospital. He didn't have to be hooked up to a ventilator. So the way that he was also describing it, he felt like he just had a really bad flu. So the first couple of days I was definitely afraid, but as time went by, he started getting a little bit better. I would say like, I don't necessarily think that our relationship has gotten stronger because he was sick. I think it was just, I don't know. I feel closer. I feel closer to him now than I did before all of this happened for sure. And I think the reason is because even though I was being, it's hard for me to say it, but it's true. I know I can be irrational. Having somebody who is as level-headed as he is, I saw how important that was and how important that is for me to have somebody like that. Yeah. You know, I think that that's interesting. Like seeing how someone handles a crisis can really tell you a mm-hmm. lot about them, right? Like if, if your partner like breaks the fuck down during this or, you know, can't manage their anxiety at all and you feel like you have to take care of everything, that that could probably exactly. be really stressful. Um, and But to see someone be really... Yeah, just capable and self-possessed, I guess, that that can be really exactly. sexy, reassuring. Yeah, definitely with a turn on. Even, and I think the reason why I wasn't as scared as maybe I could have been or another person is because of the way that he was just, you know, responding to the situation. He was never like, oh my God, I'm dying. Like, he's not a crybaby. He's not that kind of guy. He was just like, all right, like I have this. I don't feel that bad, but I don't know how it's going to affect you. You have asthma. Don't come here. And like, we were still on the phone. We were always on FaceTime cracking jokes and shit like we normally do. But yeah, it was just a matter of, of knowing how at times I can be super anxious. I don't think I completely lost my cool during this situation. If anything, you know, I've been pretty good. But to see him being the same way, if not a little bit stronger, is definitely a turn on. Like nobody wants like a pussy ass guy, you know? No, that's true. It's like if anyone's going to fill that role, it's me. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I exactly. like. Sometimes I like to lean into classic gender roles. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the weak one here. And like, I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like my relationship wise that this period has been really interesting because it definitely makes you feel well, definitely makes me feel anyway, more grateful for my partner a lot of ways like totally right like seeing Mm -hmm. them be capable and then you kind of feel like it's you against the world and and um you rely on each other a lot more emotionally but then also I like can see myself being such a fucking bitch recently and I think (laughs) like more recently in the last couple weeks I'm so irritable everything I I think what I'm realizing is is that I'm taking everything really personally it's just Mm -hmm. like the smallest shit like is it your turn to walk the dog? And I'm like, oh, cool. Well, you think that I'm a bad dog parent? And it's just like, what? Like, I think I'm being really reactive. And I think after this long with just seeing one person, that it's just getting to the phase where unless you're a complete saint, the the relationships are experiencing a lot of conflict. Are you guys experiencing that? And you guys live together, right? Yeah, we live together. Yeah, that's why. Um, I will say this. So last week I was with him. I was in his apartment all week. I came home Monday morning. And one thing about his character is that he is, he's super intelligent, like, but almost kind of like, I wouldn't call it pretentious, but he's really fucking smart. (laughs) And he is, that gets, it's not that I think that's the thing that I love the most about him, but it's also the most annoying when you're with them for so long. So for him, Everything is like a debate in a sense, or 
if I say something, he's like, did you actually mean this? Or if you're going to say this, you need to know how to back it up. Or, you know, like, he's yeah. kind of like that and he does antagonize me, but I, I like it because in my line of work, I do need to know my facts. I do need to know what the fuck I'm talking about. But he's super well, I don't know where he gets the time. He's super well researched. He knows about, about a lot of different things. Like, it's not only just one subject. So that's our biggest problem. Sometimes, you know, you're just hanging out you like talking first just to talk and i think as women sometimes we do do that i'm just like having a conversation i'm not necessarily trying to get uh an essay out of what i'm trying to say i'm just having a, a regular conversation with you and he's someone who is super about like but where did you get where's your where's your sources where'd you get your information blah like so he's kind of he does antagonize in that way and when i feel like i'm being attacked i can at times get really bitchy as well and I get a little personal, I'll curse him out. I'll just be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, like, I don't <laughs> want to hear this shit. You're tiring me right now. So I, I, I understand you. If you've been indoors for two months with your dude in a small apartment, I totally get it. Because me and him, we were going back and forth a lot last week. And I can't tell you what was the reason. I don't even remember one of those fights. And they were very small minuscule. They didn't last longer than 30 minutes. But we were, it was like little nitpicky shit. Yeah, I mean, it's like, how are you going to avoid that? It doesn't sound like they're deep and meaningful fights. Like, when no. you when you guys broke up in the past, were you guys fighting a lot? Like, what were you fighting about? What were you breaking up over those times? Well, I think it's hard when you start dating someone at such a young age. I started dating him at 21. He was 22. So I think it was more of like... You know, I would go out with my friends and, you know, have conversations with them. And they were always having these new experiences with new people and on the dating scene. And I, I'm the person that have, I feel like I've always been in a relationship. Even before him, I was with somebody for a long time. So I'm like, when am I going to have like my whole phase or, right. you know, <laughs> just go out and ha- not everybody needs one, you know? And I definitely recommend people to have their whole phase. I think it's great. Same. So, right? And yeah. just learn your body more, learn what you like. Because I think like when you you get too accustomed to one person and, and what that person likes to do, uh, you kind of just have that one way of doing it. And then you go out, you start having sex with other people and you're like, wait, I like that. And I like this. And, you know, there's a whole world out there, you guys, you know? So yeah. I think that was our main thing. And at that time in our relationship, I was, what, I don't know, 24, 23. But when we got back together... It just kind of happened. And I don't think we wanted it to happen. It was just something that came too easy and too natural. Just seeing him bumping into like places that I knew he might be at um, and vice versa. We kind of just fell back into that again. Um, and we had like another three-year run. And what I, what I think happened with the second relationship, it was kind of like a 2.0 version of that where... <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily that it became too familial, but I just felt like I was growing in my career space and I was growing as an individual and I felt like he was still kind of in the same place. And I felt in that time of my life, I was at this place where I'm super brave. Like I was before I started, you know, hosting and, and working in media and doing comedy, I was working at a hotel and I was making pretty good money for a person who started working there at 19. I was making six figures. I had my own apartment. I had health insurance. I had all that shit. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't happy. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a kid right now. And I'm not married. If there's ever a moment that I can be a starving artist or be broke, it will be now. 
So I kind of did that leap of faith and and went for my dreams. And, you know, they're coming into fruition, I feel like. And, you know, when you are are going for what you want to go for and you see someone kind of in the same place, it is a bit of a turnoff. So, yeah, that's kind of how that relationship ended. You want to feel like you are... It's a, it's this complicated thing because it's not like, oh, I need my partner to be really successful or make a lot of money. But you just want to feel like that they're passionate about something and that they're urgent about something and that you share that. No matter what, I find it unattractive in other people and in myself when I feel like mm-hmm. I'm stagnating a bit or I'm just kind of like in this place where I'm per- sort of perpetually unsure or unmotivated. That's, yeah. That can start to feel depressing. But I didn't even know that about you so like, so we met, you and I met at Vice when we were both working at Vice mm-hmm. about, like a handful of years ago. But then I didn't know that you, oh, I, I I knew that you were working at a hotel, but I thought that was just like a young person, like shit job. I didn't realize, I mean, obviously let's be real, Vice pays people like trash. So you took a pay cut to go work <laughs> at Vice, right? Oh, 100%. Like when I, when I started working at Vice, I literally had to, I didn't want to give up my apartment, but I wanted to start working with Vice just to like get my foot in the door. And also, I was a fan of Vice for a really long time. So I actually had to sublease my apartment, get into a roommate situation, which I had never done. So that was jarring for me and super difficult. But yeah, I, I, I can't even say it was half. Like the money that I was making versus the money that I, I made at Vice, like it's not even a comparison. I wasn't making no money at Vice, girl. And you know it. <laughs> Why did you leave there working at Vice? I'm not completely gone, but I haven't, like, I was doing the Vice Entertainment updates for their their channel, what used to be Vice Land. I think now it's like this Vice on TV. But yeah, like it was, I was doing that and I was doing, working with them in digital, but I was slowly kind of leaving the company just because I was getting uh, other opportunities in other places. So ultimately something that I really enjoy doing is stand-up comedy. Uh, That's another thing that doesn't really get the bills paid. But so you're... Instagram is so funny. It makes me laugh so hard. And then you've been doing a new show for Fuse, right? Well, yeah. So um, luckily for freelance, I never became staff with uh, Vice. I was able to go in and pitch another show that me and my, I call her my cousin because we grew up together, but we're not actually cousins. But another comedian, her name is Sasha Mercy. We had, we wanted to do a show together and we just started pitching this to a couple different places. It's called Like Share Demolo. It's a talk show for sure. But it does have some sketch comedy elements in there. And I think, you know, we wanted to add the sketch comedy parts in there because that's how we started on Instagram. You know, when everybody started doing their little comedic rants and their sketches, uh, we went ahead and took that opportunity to do our own as well on the gram. So most of the people that do support us are people from Instagram who started watching our, our sketches. And we just wanted to incorporate that on like Share Demon on Fuse as well. It's so funny. So it's just basically you guys are sitting down talking. And is there, mm-hmm. and some sketches, is there, how would you describe it? Is it, it's just like talking about culture basically or what? It's not only culture. Um, I mean, we are, the first episode we, we had our pilot was what is Latinx, right? And I feel like people in the media, you've definitely heard this word, but I think that real people haven't heard this word. And it's just being regurgitated to the masses without people even knowing what it is. And I don't feel like that word was properly rolled out. So like for people that don't know, Latinx is supposed to be like a gender neutral or or like non-binary version of saying Latina or Latino because the O and the A, it's like 
feminine, masculine, and they're just trying to like get rid of that gendered language, right? So when I heard of that, I was like, that's cool. Like, I, if you don't identify as male or female and you want to call yourself Latinx, I don't have a problem with that. But then I started going to all these meetings and I started seeing things and among, throughout different, you know, people that are in the know. Like, I feel like the only people that knew about that word were people in media or people that went to, to college. And I still live in the hood. Like, I live in Washington Heights. I'm from the Bronx. So I still have a lot of ties to my people that I definitely don't know what the fuck that is. So I just kind of wanted to do that episode. And it, it is a culture-based episode. And I wanted to introduce it like that because we are so proud of being Dominican and having the platforms that we have. And we do want to show a Dominican side to to Hispanic issues. I think that when you think of somebody who's Latina, Latino, Latinx, uh, a lot of the first thing that comes to mind is someone who's from Central America, South America, you know, somebody who's Mexican. You don't really think of a lot of Caribbean Latinos. And I find that crazy. Like I'm a New Yorker. I was born and raised here. Dominicans are the number one Latino demographic in New York City. So I never felt like an outsider as a Dominican chick. But then you go to LA and they're like, what is Dominican? Like I, a lot of people thought I was like light-skinned black or some people thought I was mixed. And they're like, what are you? Like what? I And they would hear me <laughs> speak Spanish. And then the Mexicans would be like, how did you learn how to speak Spanish? And I'm like, what? I'm, I'm one of you. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's in but, Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there not a lot of, um, I mean, I live in LA now, but I moved from New York recently. It's, I just never thought about it, that there isn't really a big Dominican population here at all. No. I mean, and I think that just, it goes, it's just like a geographical thing. Like, obviously, you know, there's more Caribbean Latinos in New York, in New Jersey area, because I think it's just closer. It's like a three-hour flight, as opposed to, like, obviously, Texas and Mexico. I mean, Texas and California are super close to Mexico. So it makes sense. But I don't know, like, I just feel that Dominicans are such a lively, we're such a lively people and we're so loud and like, ah, like all over the place that I, I don't know, I feel like we can make our mark anywhere. And I just, that's the reason why we wanted to have a show. And it is the first time that in the States, there are two Dominican female hosts having this platform. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, something that you said, I'm not going to remember it exactly, on the episode was about how a lot of non-Hispanic people or not Latino people will use mm -hmm. Latinx as a descriptor for the people in that population, but people within the population don't even know what that means. It's exactly. almost like a hyper PC so, version. It's almost like, yeah, like people are PCifying it. 100%. Like that's how I felt. And I, I don't even think I finished my, my thought. So basically like when I, when the word was introduced to me, I thought it was just a word for whoever wanted to use it, they can use it. But then I go to these meetings and they are referring to me. And I was like, well, I identify as a woman, so I, I'm okay with Latina. But they're like, oh, no, but like now that's just a new word for you guys. And for me, that seems super elitist and super pretentious. Like, who is this white guy calling me Latinx? Like, I, you can't tell me what I can and can't be called. Um, and I, I know that it, it comes in the guise of like, it's, it's supposed to be super LGBTQ plus friendly, but I don't really even see people in my in the Latin community that are LGBTQ plus using it like that. So, and I, you know, I live in New York. I have uh, relationships and and work relationships, friendships, and with all types of people. And it's just not a word that I hear ever. So, in a way, I kind of felt like, what's the agenda behind this word, and why is it that there's other gendered languages, but they're not making the move? You know, you I don't hear no French motherfuckers or Italian people being like. Uh, Eki and the and or X, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like, 
I don't know. I just, to me, I felt like it was super abrupt and I'm all for the, the notion because I want to, I want to respect people's pronouns and their preferred identities, obviously. But I think it's just a huge, it just, it just happened so quickly and like under our eyes where they're like, okay, this is what we're calling you now. Like who said who? That sounds really interesting. Um, that your show is so good and it's nice to, yeah, I like the idea of having conversations where it's not just acquiescing to sort of like the most PC version of everything where you feel comfortable to be like, wait, what, like (laughs) what's going on? Yeah. Um, And yeah, just to be a bit raw about it. I, yeah, like that's, and that's how I am. And that's how I, because I think nowadays, okay. So with the rollout of social media and just, you know, everyone having this platform and they can post and talk unedited, un like pre-produced, like we have this privilege and we have this platform to just be like, okay, we can say whatever we want. So now we're seeing a lot more celebrities and we're seeing, you know, these people that were once put on this pedestal, a lot of the time making fool out of themselves and just like, there's kind of like not a lot of mystery behind the celeb anymore because of social media. Mm-hmm. But then like that can be a good thing in a way, right? Because for such a long time we were, just watching these people and you could see the media training and you can see that they were picking their words wisely all the time. And that's exhausting. Also the moment that you put such a, such power behind the word, um, the moment that you, you flub it, then you're getting canceled. Cause that's like the whole thing now, everything is cancel culture. Everything is cancel culture. So if I, that was one of the questions that I asked, like I'm okay with saying the word, if, if that's something that you prefer, but if I don't say the word, am I being canceled? Am I going to be labeled as, um, you know, somebody who's anti-LGBTQ or someone who's anti-Afro-Latino or anti-anything, you know? So that was just kind of like my my take is I feel like when you put too many restrictions on words, then freedom of speech gets blurred. And it also like you have to leave space for people to identify the, the way they identify. So it's like, you mm-hmm. are allowed to identify as Latina if you want and then be sensitive to other people yeah. who don't want to be. But I don't, but it's like, you can't just put us all in the same category. Like I remember how on Slut Ever, uh, I interviewed this trans activist sex educator named Buck Angel, who's a trans man. And he's a bit mm-hmm. older. I don't know, older, like maybe 50. Um, so grew up at a time mm-hmm. when maybe he's a bit older. I mean, grew up before, you know, the term transgender was really, it was certainly before like trans culture was a part of the zeitgeist or forefronted in culture at all. And so he, it's back Mm -hmm. when like people within that community would use the word tranny, right? And so he calls himself Mm -hmm. a tranny, just, you know, Mm self-deprecatingly funny. It's just like the word he grew up with. And now all these young queer trans kids are trying to cancel him. Meanwhile, he's like, someone who fought for transgender rights. Um, A literal pioneer. A literal pioneer, right. And it's like one of the people who like made the first sex toy for trans men to like strap on. uh, It basically goes, connects to your vagina basically. And then like, but then also Mm -hmm. works as a dick so that it, it's basically like a dildo that feels good for trans men. I'm not getting it right. But um, yeah, he's no, but, but I get it. It's right, good. like it's double pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's some <laughs> fucking 
really, it's like a trans dick that feels great for trans dudes. And um, yeah, so I a pioneer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll get you. <laughs> you can do a sponsorship on your Instagram. But like, I, yes. <laughs> but these kids, they, it infuriates me because they're like, well, he uses the word tranny, cancel him. And it's just like, shut up. Like, you can't Yum. tell people what how they can, that the way they want to identify for themselves is offensive. It's like offensive to who? Offensive, if they're not offending themselves, why are you offended by what they refer to themselves as? It's just, it feels really hypocritical to me. Absolutely. I feel like it's super hypocritical. And I also feel like, like you said, if he wants to, if that, if he wants to call himself that, that's his choice like he can do whatever he wants to do and he's been doing it way longer than you and he's been going through it like not to shit on people's struggles today but i'm pretty sure that if this person is 50 years old they really saw some shit back in the day you know what i mean for you to be at the place that you are now so you can't always just go and try to like just push your beliefs on everyone 24 7 especially if you don't know where this person come came from what they've been through what they've done like it's it is very very hypocritical and i i find it weird and that's what i don't like about the whole cancel culture situation and i thought i thought that the one thing that was gonna ease itself down was all of that during this quarantine because at least we were just home and no one had access to see other people but it, it still is prevalent i know it was so funny at the beginning of corona pandemic when we all first got under quarantine and it's all everyone talked about my friend Caitlin Phillips who has the funniest Twitter I know she just tweeted <laughs> I get like this breaking news me too is officially over <laughs> it's just like oh shit no one is care like I mean as a joke meaning like everything that everyone cared about so much like there's not really space to care about it but anyways people are getting back to wanting to cancel everyone I mean I know that there's been a lot of talk about how this period is an intensifier and that it's it's pushing people to like make big commitments, like potentially whether that be to get divorced because they realize that <laughs> their relationship isn't working or to get married because they realize like, fuck, who knows how much time we have? Like, let's do this. Do you feel like this period is, is changing how you, you relate to different parts of your life, like your boyfriend, your job, your living situation? Are you going to make any big decisions? Absolutely. I think, um, what I learned like, career-wise is definitely that I have to be a little bit more, like if I want to get something done, I have to do it on my own. And I think that having that attitude will always help you stay employed. But <laughs> relationship-wise, well, I'm good. I feel like I want to get married. Like, I, I think we could do it. I think, you know, we've known each other long enough. We keep coming back to one another. I'm 28, which is still super young, but I think like we could get engaged, you know? So I I feel good. Like, even though we do get on each other's nerves over the dumbest shit, <laughs> it's still super funny because I know where his heart is. He knows where mine is. So, like, most of our fights, which are always really dumb anyway, we just look at each other and start laughing after, like, 30 minutes. So I don't know. I think that's, like, it, like I was saying earlier, I think this situation has brought us closer because... I don't know. We just out here. We're still together. We're surviving. And there's nobody else that I kind of want to spend my time with. And like when I'm with him, even if I am annoyed at him, I'd rather be like annoyed with him than not as cheesy as it sounds. And do you feel like that feeling that you could get married or, you know, at least it would be fun to get engaged that that is a feeling you've had? Is it a new feeling post this situation or is it something you were toying with before? Like, do you feel like that's a result? Yeah, 
I think it is a new feeling because since we have broken up twice before, you kind of always just have that in the back of your mind. Like, what's to say that this isn't going to happen again? You know, so just to be completely transparent, like that was kind of my thought process in it. But I do see like the leaps and and changes in in both of us uh, that we've made. And I don't know. I just feel like, what are we waiting for? Most of the people that are out here dating and and dealing with, you know, the whole bunch of idiots and, and, you know, people getting ghosted and all this other shit are looking for what I have. And I know that sounds super fucking annoying, but we're, we're good. The sex is good. Our relationship is good. I think we're both good looking. Like he's (laughs) (laughs) he's smart. Like even right. Most importantly, he's like really hot, but I just feel like when we're super old and shit, like I, I, I can't believe that I think like this now, but I was looking at him and I was like, this guy's going to be a good dad. And I don't know what, where that came from. I've never, I'm not the type to have like a bridal book. I've never thought about what kind of engagement ring I want or any of that shit. But I was just looking at him and I was like, if I have a child with this person, I can tell that he's going to be a great parent. That's, I mean, that's really important. Even if you don't know if you want kids, right? I think it's about mm-hmm. evaluating what someone's yeah value system is like whether they're kind caring patient like not self-serious whether they are playful like these things are so such wonderful qualities and then I think as you get to the age where you your body's like (laughs) pleading with you to have children whether you're you're ready for that (laughs) you start to frame it's easy to kind of look at someone and kind of assess whether or not they have those qualities and, and then frame it as, oh, you know, I think they would be a really good parent. Yeah. And I think um, I was thinking about how people are making these greater commitments now. And I think it might be because it's so easy to feel now that your life has been put on hold because, I mean, literally has. It's like production stopped mm-hmm. on your life and you can't. I feel like my life had a lot of momentum and now it's stagnant. And so you want to find ways to be like, what what can I do to move forward? And is it like, is it making a commitment to move in? Is it getting engaged? It's like, in a, in a way you could say it's like forcing momentum, but it's actually not. It's like looking yeah. at your life and being like, where can I keep going? You know, like where, where do I want to mm-hmm. keep going? And so I think that that's been kind of nice. I feel like that too. I mean, my boyfriend and I were in the process of buying a house right when this happened. <laughs> we were in escrow on a house. Damn. Yeah, it was Fucking, Damn, girl. <laughs> fucking nightmare. No, literally we had the same thing. So we were getting, um, the inspections done. So like, I didn't know this, but basically when you buy a house, you win the bid or whatever, you get the bid. And then there's a period where you go into escrow, where you're getting, um, where you like half bought it, where you get inspections done to make sure it's not like going to fall down. And we were there with our mm-hmm. masks, like the inspectors are there. And I get a notice on my phone while we're there that Tom Hanks had coronavirus. And I was like, Wait, <laughs> is this all gonna fall fall to shit? And then- I can't believe that the American bait like that was like okay, Tom Hanks has it. Like everyone's like stopped when Tom Hanks got the fucking. Disease. I know they were like fifty thousand Chinese people died. We were like, wait, what? Sorry, can you say that again? Like we were texting, and then it was like Tom Hanks has coronavirus. And we were like, no one leave their house. Exactly, <laughs> fucking Woody is sick. Like this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> no. So wait, so what happened like with the house and everything? So we had to give it up because it was just too complicated where like a million factors like losing mm-hmm. jobs and not sharing about my money situation and 
you know, my savings like semi evaporating in the stock market. I mean, just like a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. So you just didn't, and also like the housing market, it's like probably going to crap. You know, we thought probably going to crash. Like, why are we buying a house right now before the value of houses drops so much? But anyway, mm-hmm. something I really am looking forward to at the end of this is to be like, I want to do that. I want to, I feel more ready than ever to be like, I want to take big steps in my life to yeah. grow up. Yeah, for sure. I think, and I think that that's just like the the natural order of things. I think that's like, you put it perfectly when you were saying, well, there was a lot of momentum before and then now we're stopped, it stopped. But it is momentum because now we have the time to like actually stop and think like, what was all the other shit that I was doing that was so important? Getting fucking wasted every three days in a bar? Like, come on. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I would like a drink after all of this shit. But, you know, it's just, you do it, it puts it into perspective and when you have the time to like have the conversations because one cute little thing or sweet thing that i'm seeing with this is that a lot of people are, are reaching out more you know i'm having more conversations with my mother and my family members and you know you you start realizing shit my mom at this age she already has two kids she was married and i'm like not that i think it's a different time i don't necessarily feel like i need to compete with that timeline and i'm not in any way ready for a kid at this moment but it, it just shows you that the things that we really do think are important really aren't. And I think that's like the one good thing that came out of the shit. I think the only other good thing that came out of this is if a person didn't know that they had bad breath, now they know because these fucking masks do not lie. So that's just <laughs> like a little thing right there. <laughs> that's a good point. I have not heard anyone bring that up, but that that's a real life lesson, an additional life lesson to all the yeah. other ones we're learning. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up one day and went on a jog and I just forgot. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I forgot to brush my teeth before the jog. And I was like, this is not cute. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been feeling really generally, I've been making more of an effort to shower and like shave my legs more often because I do think that I had entered into like a sexless slug pandemic state, which I'm now trying to rectify. Um, like, I put on, Good. <laughs> I put on mascara on my top eyelashes most days. So okay, good. <laughs> you know, I'm really doing a lot of self-work. I don't know. Oh, my God. Do you feel like this has impacted your sex life at all or your own relationship to your sexuality? I mean, like, do you feel like that, that that's ha- happened for you at all? I think masturbation has definitely – it's a lot. Like, I've been, I've been jerking off a lot during quarantine. Um, even yesterday I was jerking off. And I was like, I was, I mean, whatever. But I just like, I don't know, like middle of the day, I would wake up jerking off, I would go to sleep. And I, I've, I've always pretty much had a like healthy masturbation cycle, but I do think like just not having anything to do, I was just jerking off a lot more. I also have a whole bunch of dildos just because um <laughs> my best friend used to work for this office and they used to do like, I don't know what she did, but basically they gave her a whole bunch of sex toys. So I had a whole bunch, but I pretty much only use like my wand. I have like the Hitachi wand and that's pretty much what I use. It's very OG. But during the pandemic, I, right? That's OG. But I, during this pandemic, I've like opened one like package a day. Like, cause I have, oh. like I'm telling you, she gave me like 20 fucking dildos oh. and they're all different. It's like butt plugs and like little vibrators and like the rat and all the shit. And each day I'm like, which one of the week, like which one am I using today? <laughs> You're doing research. <laughs> You're going to come yeah, out of this and an like, expert. I, and that's, yeah. And another thing about it too, is it's like, I think a lot of young women have this problem and it's not something that's very vocalized, but it wasn't until, I don't know, like maybe two or three years ago where I really started to explore. I mean, 
I'm talking to you. Like, we, we could talk about this. But anyway, <laughs> like, I really started to, like, a finger pop, I guess, or, like, really explore my body inward. Like, I think most women, when they jerk off, they're just, like, you know, rubbing one out or they use a toy. I had never really used too much of my fingers to, like, insert my fingers inside of me up until, like, maybe two years ago. And even up until, you know, recently, I was still, like, it wasn't, like, my thing. I didn't really know how to, like, get off by doing that. And I don't know where what the psychology was behind it. I kind of just was like, I don't really want to feel myself in there. I don't know where that came from. But I feel like during this pan- this uh, quarantine, I kind of started getting way more comfortable. And I think during this pandemic, I've explored a little bit more. That's so funny. It's like, what did you learn during this pandemic? It's like, what the inside of my vagina feels like. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. no lie. It's crazy. That's great. I'm so happy for you. This has been really fun. I'm so glad we got to talk. Also, thanks for dedicating so much of your time, your masturbation, your housewife's time to talking to me. (laughs) I know. I shared too much. I shared a lot, but it's fine. I don't care. You can use it all. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you had fun. Loving Quarantine is created and produced by me, Carly Shortino, and Rachel Rapkin. Produced in partnership with Blue Duck Media. See you next time.